On last week's episode, we took a look back at some of the extinct, discontinued, and disappearing food and beverage items from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I found so much fascinating information that I decided to continue this discussion, so in a moment, we'll get started on part two. Hello, and thank you so very much for tuning into the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast, a show inspired by and in memory of my big sister Rebecca and her love for all things pop culture, especially the people, places, and things of the 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s. My name is Amy Lewis, and I am your captain aboard this pop culture time machine. You are tuning into episode number 61 Extinct, Discontinued, and Disappearing Food and Drinks from the 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s, Part 2. As I was editing last week's show, I realized there was something missing, a noise or sound to signify the items that have disappeared or have become discontinued. So from now on, when we learn that something became discontinued, you'll hear a brief clip of this infamous song. And that song, by the way, is entitled Taps. I believe that's a military song. Something similar happened when I produced the two-part episode about extinct and disappearing restaurant chains. By episode two, I realized we needed a bankruptcy noise, so anytime that was referenced in that episode, I made sure to play this sound. So with that said, we begin our journey this week with a beloved carbonated beverage that I recently learned had been discontinued. And that is Sierra Mist. Sierra Mist was sadly discontinued in January of this year. Sierra Mist was first introduced in 1999 by the Pepsi company with the hope that it would compete with Sprite and 7-Up. Which, by the way, did anybody else play Heads Up 7-Up as a kid in elementary school? Anyways, sadly, although I feel like I remember seeing Sierra Mist all over the place, it never really quite caught up with its competitors. For example, did you know that Sprite, which is owned by Coca-Cola, is the most popular lemon-lime soda on the market? Yeah, you heard me right. Sierra Mist market share was just a tenth of 1% market share. That's unfortunate. Or was, I guess was unfortunate. Past tense. 7-Up is owned by Keurig Dr. Pepper, which I didn't know. I also didn't realize that Keurig and Dr. Pepper were a joint company. And by the way, both of those beverages taste like crap. Anyways, in 2021, Sprite had about 8.3% market share. Demand for lemon-lime flavored beverages is very high, so after discontinuing Sierra Mist, 
Pepsi recently debuted Starry. It has more citrus flavors than its predecessor and also has a more crisp taste, allegedly. Starry is trying to reach Gen Zers, those born between the late 1990s to 2010, with slogans like Starry Hits Different. Only time will tell if Starry will be successful and if, and in fact, it hits different. So, Gen Zers, it's up to you. Next, we have the Flintstones Push Pops, which were introduced in the early 1990s. In case you are not familiar with the Flintstones, it was a cartoon about a family and their neighbors during the Stone Age. The main characters were Fred and Wilma Flintstone and their friends Barney and Betty. The original show ran from 1960 to 1966. I'm not quite sure why exactly the Flintstones got associated with a sherbet ice cream flavored push pop during the 1990s. I don't think I'll ever know, to be honest. Perhaps it has something to do with the release of the movie The Jetsons Meet the Flintstones, which came out in 1987. The Jetsons was a similar cartoon that was on around the same time as the Flintstones, but this time they lived in outer space. Which begs the question, are you Team Flintstones or are you Team Jetsons? I am definitely Team Jetsons. I actually watch that show periodically with my kids, and I still enjoy it. Anyways, the Frozen Treat was created by Nestle and rebranded in the 1990s with the Flintstones. During that time, there were multiple flavors with each character on it. For example, Wilma could be found on Lime Rock Lime, Fred could be found on Yabba Dabba Do Orange, Pebbles and Bam Bam were on the Cave Kid Cherry Pops, Dino was on the Granite Grape Pops, Barney was on Raspberry Rubble, and Baby Puss was on Bedrock Berry. In 1994, a live-action Flintstones movie was released starring John Goodman as Fred Flintstone, Elizabeth Perkins as Wilma, Rick Moranis, a.k.a. Genius, as Barney Rubble, and Rosie O'Donnell as Betty Rubble. I believe I saw that in the movie theater. The cool thing about these push pops is first, it was sherbet ice cream, which was relatively unusual at the time and probably even now, as ice cream is still really king when it comes to frozen treats. I also liked the push pops, and I imagine many parents did, because they were just not as messy as traditional ice cream cones. You can still purchase push pops these days, however, the Flintstones tie in is a thing of the past, just like the setting of their show. <laughs> their current flavors are Outrageous Orange, Turbo Grape, and Cherry Blast. I refuse to purchase any Push Pops unless they bring back the Flintstones, okay? And my business is really what matters. Now, on to everyone's favorite candy dish snack, Cream Savers. Nabisco released Cream Savers in 1996. The original flavors of the circular candy were chocolate and caramel, banana and cream, butter toffee and cream, raspberry and cream, orange and cream, and finally, my personal favorite, strawberry and, drumroll please, cream. As far as I could tell, the candies were extremely popular and delicious, but they were discontinued in 2011. 
10 years later in 2021, cream savers have made a comeback at all big lots locations. This time they are being produced by Mars Wrigley and are available in two flavors, orange and cream and strawberries and cream. Thank God they brought strawberries and cream back. I saw a meme recently with a picture of cream savers on it. The caption read, if you remember these, your knees pop when you stand up. I feel so seen. Let's transition next to Munchums, which were created by Keebler. They became popular in the 1990s. The tagline for the flavored crackers was, Baked till they crunch like chips. Originally, the crackers were shaped like hexagons, but with a groove texture. Some of the flavors included ranch, cheddar, and sour cream and onion. In the early 2000s, though, the crackers were discontinued. Next up is kudos, everyone's favorite treat to give out when you needed to pay someone a compliment. I'm not kidding. Kudos alert in Sector 7. Target locked off. Lunch. A chocolate taste ought to give her a lift. Those oats and grains will help keep her going. I feel like one of my elementary school teachers gave these out to kids who did well on big projects and such, you know. Hey, Amy, I just wanted to give you a kudos for your awesome science project. Anyways, kudos were created by Mars Incorporated, the same company that makes Twix, Snickers, and Milky Way candy bars. The original flavors were chocolate chip, fudge, and peanut butter. The candy bars were sort of marketed as being healthy because they had granola in them. However, they were really just candy bars with a hint of granola. The original bars had 180 calories in them. Due to what I am assuming is some criticism, Simply Kudos were released in 1993. The bars were smaller and had 100 calories in them. In 2011, Kudos expanded some of the flavors and included Dove Candies and Snickers into their recipes. Very healthy. By 2017, kudos had pretty much disappeared off of the store shelves without much of a warning. Of course, there was an outcry on social media platforms like Facebook and apparently Mars filed to register the brand in 2020. I don't think anything has happened with that just yet, but recipes have been floating around on blogs for years, giving at-home chefs a chance to recreate their favorite childhood candy bar in their own kitchens. 
And I just wanted to take a quick moment to interrupt the show to tell you about a fantastic podcast called the Up All Night Podcast. This show is a horror anthology podcast geared toward people who grew up in the 90s. If you grew up watching shows like Are You Afraid of the Dark, Tales from the Crypt, or Goosebumps, you will absolutely love this show. Here's a little bit more about it. Hey there, everybody. My name's Cortland. And I'm Brandon. And this is the Up All Night Horror Anthology Podcast, where we cover every horror anthology show that we can get our hands on. We've already reviewed all of Are You Afraid of the Dark? We've set our sights on Goosebumps next. Do you love to laugh at amazing 90s Canadian horror shows? And we've got the perfect podcast for you. So join us every Tuesday for new episodes to keep you up all night. Thank you guys for telling us about your show. I hope you'll check it out. Now, back to the show. Let's move on to Dan and Sprinklin's The Infamous Yogurt for Kids, which included, you guessed it, Sprinkles. The test marketing of Sprinklin started in 1992, and it was introduced nationwide in 1993. Dannon was trying their damnedest to figure out how to get children to eat yogurt. In the early 1990s, yogurt was most definitely not a staple in the diets of children, mostly because most kids, especially younger kids, thought yogurt had an odd texture and was sour. So Dan had decided if they added sprinkles to the mix, perhaps they could get kids hooked on yogurt. And guess what? It worked. In the first year alone, sales of sprinklings reached 43.9 million. In 1994, Dannon introduced Danimals, yogurt that had cartoon animals on its packaging. The organization pledged to donate 1.5% of all sales to the National Wildlife Federation. By the early 2000s, though, sprinklings were nowhere to be found. That may have had something to do with the fact that Sprinklins were heavily criticized for the sugar content of their yogurt. There's no need to worry about Dannon, though. They are still very busy making yogurt like fruit on the bottom, light and fit, low-fat yogurt, and everyone's favorite diuretic, Activia. More like my colon hasn't seen this much Activia since I started eating this yogurt. Anyways, I came across a very interesting article from the New York Times in 1993 when Sprinklins launched. I think it provides a lot of interesting insight into how this sugary snack came to be, but also about how marketers and advertisers try to reach kids via their parents. Here's a bit from that article. And this is from the Los Angeles Times, dated August 15, 1993, written by Karen Stabener. And the article is titled, Get Them While They're Young with kid flavors, bright colors, and commercials that make children masters of their universe, advertisers build brand loyalty that will last a lifetime. I took my three-and-a-half-year-old daughter grocery shopping recently to a market we have walked through dozens of times. 
We rolled past the yogurt case that we always pass on our way from free-range chickens to low-fat milk, and like a child possessed, she screeched to a halt, pointed to a package on the uppermost shelf, and announced, I will take that. Let's get some. This from a child who willingly ate plain yogurt only until she was able to hold a spoon herself, who has never so much as glanced at this display before. Why did she want a four-pack of Dan and Sprinklins, two strawberry banana and two cherry vanilla four-ounce servings, each topped with a clear plastic envelope of rainbow-hued candies? It has sprinkles, she explained, as though our house were not a candy-free zone, as though she knew what a sprinkle was. Have you seen them before? Annie has them in her lunchbox. She was fairly quivering with desire. Put them in the cart, Mommy. So I did, just to see what would happen. For the Dan and Company, that purchase represented a successful step into the marketing equivalent of the promised land. Children are among the few consumers who still have time and money on their hands. The recession gnaws away at adult discretionary income and at the exalted position that name brands have always held over their discount competitors. The children's market continues to grow. American children between the ages of 4 and 12 spent $8.6 billion in 1991, and their spending power is on the rise. According to James U. McNeil, Texas A&M, university marketing professor and co-author of a recent magazine article entitled Born to Shop, children with two working parents have become involved in an increasing number of purchase decisions. He estimates that the 12 and younger set has a vote on about $147 billion in spending each year. What no one argues about is how important children are. Advertisers annually spend about $471 million on children's television advertising, according to recent trade estimates, and the investment grows while the rest of the advertising industry attempts to extricate itself from a three-year decline. Convenience food manufacturers, toy companies, and fast food restaurants spend the most to reach kids. Getting kids to eat yogurt is a tougher marketing proposition than getting them to buy a Barbie doll or a Nerf Master Blaster. As soon as they can wield their own cutlery and have enough words to object, most children abandon it and they tend not to eat it again until teenage weight concerns click in. Kids don't like the tart taste, the runny texture, the pieces of fruit in it, the uneven texture, Pilly says. They like more intense flavors. They taste a real grape. It's not grape to them. Grape is grape Kool-Aid. But Dannon, a 400 million company owned by BSN, the largest food company in France, was determined to start the yogurt habit and the customer's relationship with Dannon early. The very future of the brand was at stake. This was a chance to form a lasting alliance with consumers just as the developmental point when they had become receptive to commercial messages. According to McNeil, children start asking for brand name items at two years old, usually because they associate a brand name with an object. Mom says, eat your Tony Tigers, not eat your Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, he says. So when the child sees the picture on the box, they recognize it. By age four, they are making evaluative judgments about brands, saying, I'll eat Cheerios and I won't eat anything but Cheerios, McNeil says. Once they start school, they associate brands with people. It's, Billy eats Cheerios, so I want to. We wanted to integrate an element of fun right into the product and not just do a smaller adult product, Paley says. But we were careful not to step over the line. There was no chocolate chip cookie yogurt. What got out to the focus groups and taste test sessions? During the year of testing, there were sweeter, thicker, more vividly colored yogurts with kid-friendly gimmicks. There were Danosaurs, fruit-flavored yogurts enhanced by dinosaur-shaped gummy bears with names like Bananasaurus Rex and Tricherry Chops, which that all sounds freaking amazing and is very clever. Anyways, 
There was yogurt that came with funny-shaped spoons attached to the cups to be called either crazy spoons or spoon addicts. There were cool cups and rainbow layers of yogurt. None of them survived. Kids liked them, but they didn't like them enough. Finally, Dannon came up with sprinklings, added sweeteners, added color, added flavors, and a clear envelope of sprinkles attached to the top of each serving cup. In the process of launching sprinklings, Dannon and its advertising agency learned a happy lesson about brand loyalty. At the outset, Gray planned a two-pronged approach, the Creation Station campaign for children's television and a simultaneous print campaign in what Paley calls mom magazines. I take that personally. Children are always nagging their parents for things they see advertised on television. There had to be a way to communicate to parents that this product was a worthy one, that Sprinklins was the newest offspring in a brand family they already trust. With kids, you have to sell that it'll taste good. It'll make you the most popular kid in school, she says. You have to sell it to the gatekeeper by saying, it's good for them. The mom says to herself, oh, that's the new yogurt from Dannon, so it must be okay. End quote. Sheila Graham once said, food is the most primitive form of comfort. And if you are familiar with anything we've discussed on today's episode or the previous one, you'll know exactly what she is referring to. I hope you'll join me for my next show where we'll be discussing some of the best sitcoms led by Black actors in honor of Black History Month which is in February. This show was suggested by a very devoted listener named Preston, and I absolutely loved this idea. So look for that episode in two weeks. If you want to learn more about the show, find older episodes, rate the show, read some blog posts, etc., please visit my official podcast website at www.popcultureretrospective.com. Until next time, my friends, be kind, be safe, and hold on to your memories. Gone, but not forgotten, are Sierra Mist, Flintstones Push Pops, Cream Savers, Munchums, Kudos, Sprinklins, President's Choice, Clearly Canadian, which is back, baby, Devil's Food Cake Cookies, Tato Skins, Crystal Clear Pepsi, Mr. Salty, Five Alive, and Ecto Cooler. Godspeed. Godspeed.